What a great privilege to see the youngsters pass through the waters of baptism, to see and witness these families publicly committing themselves to God and their children and their families to God, to bringing up their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What a privilege is ours today. What a privilege is mine today as your pastor. I hope today that you are not only encouraged by their example by their example of commitment, by their example of dedication to to setting themselves apart from this world, to honoring God with their lives. I hope that not only are you encouraged by that, but I hope that you are also challenged to dedicate yourself to God or rededicate yourself to God and to honoring Him with your life. On Friday, I was reminded of the importance of devoting ourselves to honoring God in our lives. I was reminded of the importance of the passage that we're familiar with from 1 Corinthians 10.31 as it instructs us that whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, do all to the glory of God. On Friday, as you know, the Supreme Court of the United States handed down a decision legalizing same-sex marriage in all 50 states. And that should not surprise us. I think we all knew we were headed there. I think we all knew this was coming. And those court, Supreme Court justices' redefinition of marriage may have changed our culture, but there are some things that have not changed. God's truth remains the same. The Supreme Court did not create the institution of marriage. God did. God's definition of marriage has not changed. Something else that has not changed is man's need of the gospel. And I think that that was made exceedingly clear in the decision that the Supreme Court justices made. As a church... And as people who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, people who I trust are committed to obeying God's Word, what we're given by the Supreme Court on Friday, what we heard from them on Friday, really, I think, is a reminder that we must be willing to recommit ourselves to the authority of God's Word over our lives. His Word over our own lives first. God's Word is our first and final authority. I will add my voice to that of Reverend Ken Floyd, the Executive Director of our Michigan Association of Regular Baptist Churches to which we belong. We, we voluntarily participate with this association and they are a great encouragement to us as a church and many others in our state, some 210 or so. He sends this email out on Friday to our churches and says, I join with several others who have commented today by saying, I am a conscientious dissenter from this ruling handed down by the Supreme Court today. I affirm with millions of others that marriage is the sacred union of one man and one woman and that it is improper for the court to redefine an institution it did not invent in the first place. 
I will also echo the voices of many others I've heard since Friday saying that we should be concerned for the church and we should be concerned for the United States of America, but we should not lose heart. As Russell Moore, president of of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission in a statement on Friday wrote, Despite this ruling, the church of Jesus Christ will stand fast. We will not capitulate on this issue because we cannot. To minimize or ignore a Christian sexual ethic is to abandon the message Jesus handed down to us, and we have no authority to do this. At the same time, now is not the time for outrage or panic. Marriage is resilient. God created it to be so. Marriage in the minds of the public may change, but marriage as a reality created by God won't change at all. The church must now articulate and embody a Christian vision of marriage and work to rebuild a culture of marriage. And beloved, I believe that that is a clear reminder to us that we must be committed like never before to growing healthy marriages ourselves, committing ourselves to our own marriages, committing ourselves once again to raising children for God's glory and nurturing our families as followers of Christ with the truths of God's Word as our guide. We must keep our priorities in order. And this is why I'd like us to look at the passage in Matthew 22 this morning, verses 34 through 40. Go there with me, would you please? And as we read, I want you to look for two priorities. We must keep our priorities in order as God's people who take our orders from God's Word. Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. And as we read, I want you to look for two priorities that God gives to His people. And like never before, we've got to remind ourselves that God has given us in His Word clear direction and a firm foundation for living in this world. And no matter what changes in the world today, no matter what changes in this culture, there are two priorities for God's people that have not changed. Watch for them. I think you'll see them very clearly. And as we read, you'll notice that part of this is a quote from the Old Testament passage I read just a few minutes ago from Deuteronomy 6, amongst these parents dedicating themselves to raising their children on the foundation of God's Word and for God's glory. Matthew 22, look at it, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that He, this is speaking of Jesus, that He had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked Him a question to test Him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. 
Did you see the two priorities? I think they're pretty clear. According to Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40, there are two priorities God gives mankind. These are, these are priorities for mankind, but especially for God's people. For all who trust in Christ as Lord and Savior, priority number one is love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And priority number two, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now for the sake of time this morning, I want to go right to the heart of this passage and I want to consider first what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. In fact, a whole series of messages could be preached on that statement alone. But I think I can summarize what this means with another passage of Scripture found in John chapter 14 in which we hear Jesus say this, If you love me, you know the rest? You will keep my commandments. At the very foundation of loving God with heart, soul, and mind, at the very foundation is obedience to God's Word as God's people. If we're going to proclaim and declare that we love the Lord Jesus Christ, that we have trusted in Jesus Christ, that we are devoting ourselves to following the Lord Jesus Christ, and we love God, then we had better be committed to obeying God's Word. And I believe with Friday's decision by the court that we must commit ourselves once again to reading God's Word ourselves and applying God's Word to our own lives. Because if there's something that this world desperately needs, and this is not a, a revelation to us, is it? This is not a new problem. But if there's something that this world desperately needs, it's believers in Jesus Christ who are devoting themselves like these families this morning and like these young ladies who pass through the waters of baptism to say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, we must devote ourselves to reading God's Word for ourselves, believing God's Word, and obeying God's Word. I think that's the charge we hear given to followers of Christ in 1 Peter 2 in verses 11 and 12 where it says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war on your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. The point is that we as God's people, would live in such a way, would live in such obedience to God's Word that no matter what the world says about believers in Jesus Christ and followers of God's Word in the days ahead, no matter what they say, they can't argue with our testimony. 
and that they too might be drawn to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and give God glory when Christ returns. And so I encourage you as followers of Christ to devote yourselves once again to knowing and obeying God's Word. We should also devote ourselves to prayer for God's church, for His people, for this nation. And the more you know God's Word, the more God-honoring your prayer life will be. The more God-glorifying your prayer life will be. And God loves to answer the biblical prayers of His people. Now what about, you shall love your neighbor as yourself? What does that look like? Well, I think in light of the first and greatest command, that we're to love God, heart, soul, and mind first, which requires a commitment to obey God's Word, we learn from God's Word what it means to love your neighbor. And though we may find that the laws of the land oppose God's Word, God's people must never harshly oppose and condemn people in need of the gospel. We may disagree with their beliefs, their opinions, their lifestyle, their choices about marriage, but we must never despise people made in the image of God in need of the gospel. Yes, we must tell unbelievers that God opposes their sins as He does ours. But we must also tell them about the Savior who died to save them from their sins. And I think one of the clearest demonstrations of loving your neighbor as yourself, I think, is the encounter that we see between Jesus and the woman at the well. We see it in John 4. We're not going to go there this morning, but... You likely know the account there. In John 4, when Jesus encountered the woman at the well, He was gracious, but He didn't cover over her sin. He didn't tell her her sin was okay. Instead, He offered her living water. He offered her eternal life, forgiveness of sins, and then He graciously challenged her to turn from her sin. Beloved, that is why God put us here as His church on earth to live in obedience to His Word and call sin, sin, and lovingly call people to repentance that they too might be saved. And I believe Jesus' example here is an instructive demonstration of what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. Because while God's people have forgiveness of sins, And eternal life, what a blessing is ours, yes? While we have that through faith in Jesus Christ, there are people we know who need Christ. And they are headed for God's eternal judgment for their sins unless they repent and believe in Him for salvation, believing in His Son. On Friday, Albert Muller, president of Southern Seminary, presented well the challenge before the church today as he wrote that marriage remains what God designed as His gift to humanity, the union of a man and a woman 
Our society will now call something else marriage. The challenge for Christians now is to speak the truth in love and to speak love in truth. Love of neighbor means we cannot lie about marriage. So I encourage you today that if we're going to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, that we must stand by God's Word and stand by God's definition of marriage and the family. That has not changed. And if we're going to love our neighbors as ourselves, then we must love them enough to tell them the truth of God's Word, living it before them in obedience to God's Word ourselves, but telling them the truth of God's Word, even telling them what God says about sin. And we must do so with the love and grace that God's Word makes clear should characterize God's people. May God help us to do just that with every day ahead which He has graciously given us to live for His glory. Because no matter what changes in this world, who God is has not changed. And what He has called us to as His children has not changed. We have been given our priorities. So let's recommit ourselves to loving God. Heart, soul, and mind, and loving our neighbor as God commands.